Hey guys, so before I go into today's episode of the podcast, I just want to make an announcement. So if you are new to the podcast or if you've been listening to the beginning, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. But I just want to make a special announcement that my first ever book is going to be coming out on the 3rd of December 2021. And The title of the book is The No-Nonsense Approach to Female Fat Loss and this is something that has been brewing for quite a while and it's something that I'm very, very passionate about and inside the book you'll be kind of looking at how to understand your menstrual cycle, how to understand your cravings, when to push your training, when to ease off your training, how to train and eat during your pregnancy and train around it, PCOS, how to understand endometriosis, amenorrhea, which is lack of a cycle. The pill is beneficial. What type of pill is more beneficial? Does it does it impact your sex drive? We talk about perimenopause and menopause, and we talk about thyroid, and there's many other topics that we talk about. So it's fairly in depth. It's going through every single stage uh, that a woman can go through, and it's fairly in depth. A lot of research, a lot of effort's been put into it. So I'm super super excited to announce that the book is available for pre-order through the link in the episode notes and it will be available through the link in my bio on instagram at shane walsh fitness or if you want to head over to shanewalshfitness.com forward slash pre-order the book and you can get all the details there it will be available on amazon from the 3rd of december as well which i'm super super excited for so i hope you guys enjoy the episode hope you guys enjoy the book any questions on the book let me know but i'm super super excited and hope you guys Really, really excited for today's episode with Sarah Colopy. So Sarah is SazC underscore PT on Instagram. And Sarah has an amazing approach to coaching. So she's an online coach and life coach. And she helps clients break the binge restrict cycle. So a lot, an awful lot of people mix up what the definition of a binge is and emotional eating is. And Sarah helps an awful lot of people while staying in her lane on this and one of the things we talk about she's the host of sit down with sal's podcast which is available on itunes up and spotify as well she recently wrote an ebook on binging and restricting called breaking the cycle which the link is in the show notes if you want to download that and it gives you nutrition tips where to start from it's an incredible read so it's really really beneficial to kind of get your hands on that um she was a chef before coming a pt and she talks about her own little struggles from various different elements of where she's kind of come from from going from chef to pt to now online coach and very successful at what she's doing and she's kind of blown up over the last little while and it's it's it's, it's awesome to see so some of the things that we talk about are that sometimes we talk about the the, the break in the cycle we talk about kind of feeling the the strain and stuff like that from various different sources we also talk about kind of the boundaries, the importance of self-care, being 1% better each day. The emotional eating isn't always negative. Calorie banking isn't the thing for you, internal and external validation. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to, to listen to the episode with Sarah Colby. Get a copy. Sarah, how are we? Not too bad, how are you? Very good, thank you. So Sarah, I gave you a brief intro beforehand, so I'm going to get you to give a little bit more of an in-depth intro into yourself and talk about your ebook and your, your very own podcast as well. Okay. Everyone hates this question. It's like standing it's so up in a room. <laughs> it's like, oh, tell me something about yourself. <laughs> um, so basically, I'm Sarah. I am an online coach. I work specifically with females and mostly got to do with females who have issues with disordered eating, uh, poor relationships with food, body confidence, all that kind of stuff. Mindset um, is a big focus for me. Um, I also have my own podcast. It's called Sit Down with Saz. And I released an ebook 
um, which is called breaking the binge restrict cycle, which is kind of just helping people obviously remove themselves from that part and just educate them. Obviously, you need a lot more work than just an ebook, but you know, it's a good place to start. So that's a bit about me. <laughs> and how did you kind of get into the kind of online fitness realm? And how did you get into fitness in general? Because I think you were a chef before and you were to fair. Yeah, so I used to be a chef. I actually wanted to be a vet before that. I did my placement and I fainted. <laughs> so I said, okay, this might not be for me. Um, but yeah, no, I was a chef and I wasn't a very good chef. Like I, I was okay, um, but I couldn't really handle the pressure, to be honest. It was just really long nights. Um, I lived with my friends at the time and it was just not social whatsoever. I just had to spend a lot of time at work. Naturally, it's a really, really busy job. And there's a lot of pressure and it's a lot, like it's a lot of stress. And I used to go in like literally bawling, crying. I used to have to ring my mom beforehand and be like, mom, like, please don't make me go in. <laughs> She'd be like, okay, you just got to do it. Just got to go in until you figure out your next step. And I'd say the chefs in there absolutely were like, what is this woman doing here? <laughs> like, couldn't handle the pressure. Um, so then after that, I actually moved to Dublin and I was always kind of, well, from about the age of like 17, 18, I'd come out of like a really bad relationship. It was like really abusive and stuff. And I basically started to improve myself. I wanted to focus on me for once because I was obviously focused on that a lot. So started like getting into the gym, trying to eat kind of healthy, kind of like, you know, trying to better myself, I suppose. Um, and then I moved to Dublin. And when I was in Dublin, my friend actually, we were doing a session in the gym together and I was just kind of showing her what to do. And she was like, would you ever think about doing like PT, why don't you do PT as a job? And I was like, oh my God, I never thought of it. She's like, yeah, I think you'd be really good at it. And I was like really passionate about it. Like I really enjoyed it. I saw the benefits that it had for me, like mentally, not just physically. Um, and I wanted to be able to give that to other people then as well. So when I was working in Dublin, the gym that I used to go to, I used to walk from my house to the gym. And there was a gym called, I, I don't know, should we bleep out the name? Oh God, I, I've, said, I've, I've called Brad. Okay, it, it comes back like, on you then, okay? It doesn't come back on good. me. So, um, so there was a gym called Ijuko Gym. Have you heard? I've yeah. heard of them. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So they actually scouted me when I was walking past one of the days. And I was like, okay, fuck it. I'll just give it a go. It ended up not working out, obviously, sure. <laughs> for, for numerous reasons. It didn't sure. work out. But I ended up then just kind of pursuing from there. And then I went into um, study it in UL. And here I am today. I was working as PT. I was doing classes, all that kind of stuff. And now I'm online. What's the biggest difference for you from kind of going from face to face to online? What's the, what's the biggest transition for you? Um, I kind of thought when I started online, which I think a lot of people have um, a little bit of a, a hiccup about, is they think that they need that in person experience to have a connection. And to be honest, you really don't need that. If you're doing, if your service is good, you're going to have that connection regardless if it's in person or if it's not. Um, it's all about how you can make someone feel, and you know you can do that through voice notes you can do that through emails you can do that through you know messages video calls anything at all you can do that you can build that connection um so I did myself even think that like I always wanted that to be the end goal but I you know had that roadblock where I was like oh I don't know if it'll ever work so I never like fully believed in myself in it um until I started it and then I saw it working so the difference I suppose is um I think actually people thrive a lot more online than they do in person because in person you only are with them for an hour, maybe what, like once, twice a week. Yeah. Whereas with online, like you've constant support all the time. Like I talk to my clients probably about four times a week um, between like just regular texts, them reaching out to me, me reaching out to them and then within their check-ins and stuff. So I feel people actually do a lot better online than they do in person. I feel like when you're in person, it can be hard to manage the rest of that person's 
you know, schedule, it can be hard to manage the rest of that person's nutrition, sleep, stress, all that kind of stuff. You don't get a full view of what's actually going on within person, but online, I feel like you really do. I completely agree with you there. It's like the hour, probably a lot will be talking about like their nights out or whatever mm. it may be. But in this, you kind of like, as long as there's checking sheets in a decent order yeah. or whatever it may be, but you, understand, you can ask a lot more questions, have a little bit more free time with them. Mm. Also, you're also sleeping. It also yeah. helps. <laughs> it also helps. That, not sure. <laughs> that really does help. Or you're not yeah, doing the, some sort of prep beforehand. Yeah, the PT, um, it is really taxing like energy-wise for yourself. So naturally you can show up a lot more for your online when you are looking after yourself too, you know, cause I do find that that's a common thing that personal trainers kind of fall into is they kind of neglect themselves um, because their schedule is just so busy and, you know, they take on more than they can kind of handle. And yeah, it's, you're just very, very limited with what you can do, I suppose, with PT. Now it's for some people, it's just, I just, and I'd still would do sessions, um, but it's just not where I want my business to go basically. Yeah, and I think as you said, you are kind of capped with the amount of people you can have. And if you want to cap at that time, amazing. Mm-hmm. That's that's for, for them. Yeah. You mentioned one big sentence there of kind of like the, the limiting self-belief and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of overcome that? Because I think that's one of the, I, I think a lot of people think that PTs and nutritionists have their shit together. Mm, they don't. You, we really don't. <laughs> yeah. We really don't. Um, the way I kind of overcame it was just by actually taking the time to work on myself um like I did therapy I read books already rather than everyone else in your life is how you will push past those boundaries and how you will get to know yourself and actual like what your actual capabilities are because you'll surprise yourself what you can actually do you know if I were to, if I look back at three years ago do I think I'd be sitting here right now like with my own podcast on someone else's podcast like absolutely fucking not but I pushed myself out of my boundaries got out of my comfort zone and figured out that hey I'm actually not bad at this. <laughs> no, and you I, know, and that, like it's a great stuff because I know you've blown up over lockdown as well, and you're putting up the, the, the amazing recipes and stuff. How you do those reels, I still get used to them. I'm too old for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know how you do them. Um, yeah, try to anyway. How uh, old are you? Uh, just turned 34. Okay, I'm 28. Yeah, so I think I think when you enter thirties, you kind of lose that's, the technology. That's limiting self-belief, that right <laughs> it's there. It's not. It's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> um, as soon as you go past thirty, you, you lose the, the desire to do all this technical stuff. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the kind of like I know sometimes I with the the next two words it's kind of life coach and I kind of know that's one of the things that you bring a massive aspect into uh, with your clients and your coaching. How do you kind of, one, kind of stay in your lane on that side of things? Because that's a big thing that I think a lot of PTs do struggle with. They try to take on too much. But how do you kind of stay in your lane on that side of things? Um, So it is difficult to do that and to know when the line is. But I think with experience, you do kind of get to know that, oh, fuck, maybe I shouldn't have said that three years ago to that person. Maybe that wasn't my, you know, maybe that wasn't where I was meant to be. Maybe that's not the direction I should have been giving. Um, so I do think with practice, you do an experience, you do kind of figure out where where the line is drawn. But usually when it comes into in-depth mental things, and I'll know kind of if someone has disordered eating or if they actually have an eating disorder, um, they might not actually be diagnosed with it, but like, I'm not going to diagnose them either. Like, that's not my job, yeah, yeah. but I can be like, look, I just think that this might be a little bit deeper. So you do probably need to source, like outsource some help with this before I can actually work with you because I don't actually work with people with eating disorders. That's a big thing that um, people 
have a misconception about that, you know, that I might actually help people with eating disorders, but I can't do that. That's not my job. Um, it would be unethical for me to do that. And I'd love, absolutely love to help them. Like and the fact that they've even reached out, I'd so love to, because that's a huge step for them, but it's not my place. I don't have the professional experience to do that. I need to have, you know, I need to have my certs for that. I need to have everything for that. Um, so it is difficult to draw the line, but you have to think about the, the client at the end of the day. And if you think this is a bit outside of your comfort zone, if you think this is something that maybe, you know, if like, it's just so difficult to answer that question. Like if, if you think it's something that maybe you shouldn't say, then you shouldn't say it, you know, and that's kind of a good indicator for yourself. You just have to be aware of yourself and of what you are putting out there um, to know when to draw the line and when not to draw the line. I think it does come from experience. So I think we've all yeah. probably made the mistakes. So I was like, oh, this is a client. I need the money or whatever it may be. And, and I'll hold my hands up to that, especially at the yeah. beginning. But you're kind of like... You don't know at the beginning, you know? You don't know these things. And I suppose as well, now there's so much more education around this stuff that we can spot it a little bit sooner, you know? Yeah, and I, and I do think that. I think that's, I think that's advice for someone who, if someone's listening to this and they're kind of a, a new coach or whatever, maybe it is... It is have kind of a, a pool of people you can send people to like mm-hmm. therapists or physios or yeah. people to get their hormones checked or yeah. whatever maybe it's been the biggest resource uh, yeah. for me is being able to say right you're going there or whatever it may be because yeah. we're not qualified to help people with, with mm-hmm. uh, eating disorders because uh, mm-hmm. i think especially with lockdown i like i think the life coaching thing is definitely ramped up an awful lot during a kind of mm-hmm. lockdown how did you find the kind of the boundaries during lockdown for yourself with kind of like the clients your own life and your own training and stuff there were none <laughs> there were no boundaries and it wasn't only, only me yeah it's only in like the last probably year since i hired um Catherine, yeah Catherine, and um, she's my assistant i actually just call her to her i call her my ceo <laughs> <laughs> i feel like she just you know she kind of keeps me on the straight and narrow but I've kind of just started implementing like times that I'll work times that I shut off. Like I have like my own separate work phone, all that kind of stuff. Whereas when I was doing PT, I didn't have a separate work phone. I had my own phone and yeah. I'd be getting messages from clients. And then I've got my own friends in there. And then you'd feel guilty for writing back to, you know, your friends and not writing back to your client or not writing back to your friend, but writing back to your client, you know? So there was like loads of blurred lines, I suppose. So what I did is I just got really structured with like my days and the routines that I have and prioritizing again, looking after me first um, but it is difficult to do that. It is so, so difficult. And a huge thing is I think we get really guilty um, because we think that we need to be on all the time. But if we're on all the time, we're going to be off. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We're not actually going to be on. So It's like a phone. Like It has to recharge at some point. Yeah, exactly. If you don't uh, take the time to recharge, you're, you're not going to be doing yourself a service like you're going to be doing your clients a disservice if you're not taking the time for you i mean that's the hardest part sometimes i think that there's always going to be like a fine line with some clients as well but it's about setting the boundaries with the with the client at the beginning and saying right this is when the contact is and the biggest thing for me in the last kind of i think it was after talking to orla was probably like can't work weekends anymore it was kind yeah. of like just like friday half day and friday every week is just kind of like shut down 12 o'clock two o'clock whatever maybe that was the biggest change for me and i can see a definite shift and things have happened since which is great um you talk about you've mentioned about the the ebook uh break the cycle how did that kind of how did the idea kind of come about and can you can you talk us through the the basic stuff that you kind of you talk about in it um so the reason it came about was because basically i'd have people reaching out that they wanted to either work with me and i either didn't have the space or the capacity to take them on or else maybe it might have been unaffordable for them they weren't able to kind of you know afford that kind of thing so i want to provide something 
for those people that I could be like, look, I can't help you right now or else you aren't in a position to be helped right now. But here's here's something that you can do in the meantime to try and like better yourself and just get in some form of structure and just educate yourself a little bit around this topic. Um, Because I did, I don't like turning people away, but I can't take on everyone, you know, and like that as well. Like it's an affordability thing for people. Like sometimes they just literally cannot afford it. And I don't want to say no to those people. I don't want to be like, oh, well, okay, you can't afford it. I'm not going to help you at all. You know, I want to help you in some way that I possibly can. Um, So that's how it kind of came about. And it's basically just given the education behind, you know, calories, protein, that kind of stuff, like giving you some sort of training structure, telling you how important like rest is. Um, there's just so much in there that it covers a lot of boundaries for you to just start on your own, make a start, you know, like buying that book is your first start. That's where you can go read it and then get some inspiration for it. And that's how you can kind of learn as well. Cause in it, I talk about self-care and how important that is. And the feedback I've gotten is that since they've read it, they've actually started doing these things. They've started implementing the time off. They've started implementing, you know, having a half an hour for themselves. They started implementing waking up 20 minutes earlier than they need to. So that they're not rushing out the door. You know, they're all really simple, tiny little tools that just make a huge difference. And I just wanted to break it down and put it into one little thing and just put it out there. So that's what it is. Do you think everyone kind of, kind of overcomplicates like nutrition, training, mm-hmm. life? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, they do. It's it, it like, like, I know I did it for ages when I had a real job for ages. A real job. <laughs> not but, this thing, whatever this is. Not, not this thing, not <laughs> this, this hobby I have. Um, no, but like, it, it, it's one of those things. Like, I, I, that's, that's the one thing I've noticed. And you kind of, you say something like a million times to a client, mm. and a millionth time it lands, you're like, why was I never listening? It's like you weren't yeah. in a position to listen. Mm, yeah you have to be open to receiving this information and not overcomplicate it in your head and just do whatever just take it on board be open be open to what the person is saying even if it sounds so simple just be like you know what i'm just gonna trust the process for a second and just go with it because i do think a lot words. of people yeah so i do think a lot of people have a bit of like that's too easy like i'll often have feedback from my clients being like yeah i just don't think i you know worked hard enough and it's like well, why do you think you didn't work hard enough? It says here that you did everything that I asked you to do. Um, you even went and did more. So we're going to talk about you not doing that again. <laughs> so, you know, so I think people do, they're just really, really quick to beat themselves up. And they're under this impression that when you are on like, let's just say a fat loss journey, that it has to be miserable and that it has to be difficult. And if it's not difficult, and if you're not pouring sweat, and if you're not doing fasted cardio and all this stupid shit, that you're not doing it right, you know? So yeah, it's, it's a lot simpler than, people are ready to believe that it is. But then once they start seeing how simple it is and then implementing it, then they're like, oh, okay, this is actually enjoyable now. I can keep doing this, you know? So with the simple stuff, like you mentioned like the simple stuff and the little tips you have in the in the book in relation to kind of like the, the nutrition side of things. Mm-hmm. If someone was coming to you right now and it's kind of saying like, I'm lost, I've come from a Zealand club background, I'm trying to yo-yo, stop my yo-yo dieting, mm-hmm. where do I start? what would be your advice if someone listening to this right now about like their loss they don't know what to do where would, would sarah say to start okay so what you want to do is one percent better that's one of the main things that i try to tell my clients whatever you're doing right now let's do one thing that's one percent better than what you're doing so let's say we're doing absolutely nothing we're not getting we're not drinking any water okay let's start there that's probably the easiest place for you to start or else the easiest place for you to start might be like steps or it might be doing a food shop you know those are really important tasks and if you just build on those small things, eventually they add up to the bigger picture. Um, so again, like if it was the water thing, if you're only getting in 500 mils, okay, this week, let's just work on getting in a liter 
or 750 mils, whatever seems achievable, let's do that. And let it only be that this week. And then next week, once you've got that nailed, you can move on to the next thing and make that 1% better and just keep going and keep adding those 1% until you eventually get like a million percent. So that's what I would say is just break it down into really small, small, small tasks. And if you think it's not enough, it's definitely enough. Yeah, I think the water is a great analogy because I, I'm I'm still surprised um, how so much people struggle with that. Mm. It's like I'm not sitting out here on an ivory tower. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not immune to it at all. Like, but it's kind of one of those. Like, it would help your energy. It would help your mind. It would help to lean you out as well and help your digestion. And yeah. people are like, it can't be that easy. No. What's going on there? It can't. <laughs> the it, thing it really that gets is. them. The thing that gets them as well is when they do start drinking a lot of water. They're like just pissing the whole time. Oh yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's like, oh, I might come in the middle of the night. Yeah, maybe start stop drinking at like four or five p.m. Yeah. 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 Get it in the middle, get it in for breakfast or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, what about kind of training and stuff? Because it's very hard for someone, like if someone's on Instagram, they're following so many fitness accounts. It's one of the biggest things I get to my clients to do is like a social media audit. It's like, um, if you, it's like, get rid of those people. I think one of the clients I had recently was like 80% fitness people. I was like, these are helping you in zero way because you're getting confused with like 800 calorie things and like someone who has glutes and quads and you're like they're they're not linked let's yeah. like compare chalk yeah. and cheese where would you kind of say to someone with kind of like you mentioned the one percent already which can be applied to everything in life yeah. but in relation to the training where would you kind of recommend someone to start so a lot of the time i just tell if they're not like into training at all or they haven't like started yeah. training maybe just start walking like get out for a walk if you want to walk you know, do 20 minutes. If you were doing nothing before, maybe do 15 minutes, you know, build it up from there. If it's something where you already are walking, but you want to kind of get into exercise and you're a little bit scared, why don't you try maybe just going to a class? And if you've done the classes thing and you're still a little bit scared of going into the gym, you also don't have to go into the gym. Like you don't have to do that. You could do it from home if that made you feel more comfortable until you built up the courage to go to the gym. Um, if you felt like hiring an in-person PT, that would be a good start to get you comfortable in there. Um, and yeah, that's just, just basically trying to find even even if it's not training. What if you don't like training? You might not actually like the gym. You might not like that type of resistance training. Um, I have one client who, for the past couple of weeks, has been trying to force herself to go to the gym and force herself to try and exercise. But she's only just discovered that she doesn't actually enjoy it. But what she does really enjoy is Pilates. And it's like, go do Pilates. Do that. Do that. Like, that's absolutely amazing. You found what you like. Now work with it and go there. It might not be the gym. It might be dancing. It might be, I don't know. TRX, it might be anything at all, just whatever it is you enjoy, go and do that. And I do think like, if you don't enjoy something, you're not going to stick to it. So what's the point of even trying? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point in you doing something that you really don't like? There's no point to do that. That's lunacy. Why would you do that? Yeah. Definition of insanity. Yeah, it really is. Um, insanity workouts. Oh my God. <laughs> I've done them. <laughs> I, I did the, uh, I started off with Joe Weeks and then I did the insanity workouts and I was like, Right, I'm very fit here, but I'm uh, I had didn't have a lot of muscle on me, so I was kind of yeah. like, why am I looking so gaunt? And then it <laughs> makes so much sense. I look dead. <laughs> I look dead inside and out. But I never tried that one. No, insanity. It's from actually I'm having trauma right now after jumping around that living room uh, <laughs> with your man Sean T just shouting at you. No, oh god, that one uh, slipped by me now. To be fair, I didn't really get that one. I, I, got, I think I got it downloaded. Um, I don't think I uh, purchased it. Sorry, Shanti, you're wealthy enough for that. Me having to pay for it. Um, I think in relation to the the stuff that people are struggling with at the minute, like with the the kind of the binge restrict cycle, mm -hmm. where like 
I think it, a lot of people's emotions, a lot of people's feelings have kind of like been rammed down for so, so long. And then like COVID has kind of made people sit with things a little bit more mm-hmm. and sitting with things. I think from your own personal experience, you can probably agree, like sitting with things is not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are just kind of realize that like a volcano has just erupted now and they're kind of having to deal with their stuff now. Where would you kind of, kind of, what advice would you give to someone who's kind of in that binge restrict cycle and kind of the definition of a binge versus emotional eating? I think that's an important place to start. So emotional eating can often get like a really bad rap and you might yeah. not agree with this, but there isn't necessarily anything wrong with emotional eating as long as it's not your only coping mechanism. You know, like you can have food that you want, you know, if it's like, let's say you break up with your boyfriend, right? And you're absolutely devastated. And all you want to do is just get into bed, watch Netflix and have some ice cream. Absolutely fucking do that. But tomorrow, let's just, you know, let's get back to normality. There's nothing wrong. You don't need to beat yourself up for having that ice cream. But people, because they were sad when they were eating it, think that this is something that is a huge problem. But it's not if that's, it's only a huge problem if that's your only coping mechanism. You know, if you don't handle all your other stressors and like food as well is a big thing for enjoyment. So when we say emotional eating, we forget that emotional doesn't just mean sad. It also means happy. And it means, you know, being social, like it's okay to eat socially. It's okay to eat when you're happy, as long as you aren't binging while you're doing that. So binging is when you literally cannot stop and you have to, and you go into the point where you feel sick and all this kind of stuff. So there is a big difference between emotional and you know, like there's a big difference between emotional eating and like binging, you know, depending on the circumstance. So again, it's going to, it's going to depend on the person and all that kind of stuff. And from learning like your client and everything that you talk to them about, you're going to know if this is okay. Hang on. I'm seeing a pattern here that every time you're sad, you do this. Every time you're happy, you do this. Every time you're stressed, you do this. So it's all about like seeing the patterns. So just because you've had ice cream once when you were sad, doesn't mean you necessarily are emotional eating because you did it that one time. You know, ice cream's um, too good, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's all very, it's so difficult to answer these questions because it's so circumstantial yeah. and it's so dependent on the person. Um, so it's very hard to give like a broad answer. But if you are eating to the point where you're like feeling sick and you're doing this on like a constant basis, there's probably something that you need to look at here. Or if you're eating every time you're sad, then there's something that we need to look at here. If you're eating 80% of the time when you're sad, that's probably something to look at as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no, a big chunk. No, I agree with you 100% on what you said about it. Is If it's continuously the coping mechanism, it's not going to solve anything. It's something that needs to be looked at. And I think it's important to kind of identify what actually the feeling is. And naming the feeling is normally the hardest part for someone. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you're if you attached to the pain, you're mm-hmm. attached to the story. If you can't let go of this, the, the, the pain, it's very hard to move on. Yeah. And that's where the, the uncomfortable um, things like anchoring and stuff like that can really, really help someone yeah. um, on that side of things. But I think it's important to kind of like, if you are struggling with that side of things, there are people um, to kind of go to with kind of like, if you have a binge eating disorder, go to the therapist or whatever it may be. If you are coming from an emotional background, go to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Don't just go to the PT and here's a meal plan. You can't have chocolate yeah. because chocolate ice cream is too good to, like, you're not going to survive. You're not allowed to enjoy that, like basically. No, no, no definitely not. It is not to be enjoyed, it is to be endured. Oh. <laughs> Some of the things I see clients have tried and just, I, I'm genuinely, I think, I think that's the reason I have no hair. I think I've told it out. <laughs> I don't blame you. Oh, the, can you tell when someone, if they haven't mentioned, can you tell that they've done some sort of like slimming world or they've done something? Yeah. So, they, uh, so one of the big things like on our questionnaire and stuff, 
uh, one of the questions is that, but I, I, yeah. if someone doesn't, hasn't necessarily taken the time to fill in the questionnaire fully mm. and someone is kind of like, there's an awful lot of food guilt there. Mm. And if there's some, if there's an element of guilt, I generally attach it to some sort of cinema club mm. because the word sin is generally mm. in there somewhere. Um, and there's elements of like, parents or grandparents or something like that have yeah. said something or they're caring what like one of the questions he said if you don't if you if you don't succeed how would you feel and it's kind of like i feel i'm letting other people down then there's some element of there's something else going on there and then we yeah. just we kind of hone in and it's lucky that we have jane who was who has struggled with herself and then we've got dallas who is a trainee psychologist and just qualified in cbt right. nice. so if you have dallas you're getting you're yeah. going deep you're going in there yeah. you're going in there um and it, it's sometimes can be uncomfortable for clients but i think it's it's one of those things but i love the way you said emotions are also happy like mm. christmas is a time where we overeat birthdays mm. are a time we overeat christenings communions whatever it may be are times we overeat so yeah. like tomorrow night you're going out or tonight you're going out so you're going to probably have a little bit more food a little bit more drink but that's like it's one thing it's the compound effect again one day yeah. or one drink or whatever maybe is not going to make a huge thing yeah talking about calorie banking mm-hmm. because this mm-hmm. is where people yeah tend to go a little bit left yeah. field and so i'm gonna let you want to let you explain what calorie banking is and okay. is it a positive or a negative for someone okay, these are my opinions and my opinions only <laughs> the right opinions so- any other PTs who feel like coming at me, don't, because, yeah, don't, just don't grab me. Uh, basically, calorie banking is when you deliberately will pull back calories to allow for maybe an occasion or maybe a weekend or something like that. It might not be for anything in particular, but you might pull back during the week um, to allow for these calories over the weekend. Technically, that's just a glorified binge and restrict cycle, um, which, because it's dressed as calorie banking, it sounds like it's okay. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think it's okay. Uh, but again, it also depends on the client. I would just never get my clients to do it. Like I just never no, want to put never them. No, I would never want to put them in that position. I would never want to risk that. And I always say, like the minute that a client comes on board, my very first message to them is I usually just welcome to the team and all that kind of stuff. But I also tell them that I will never, ever, ever risk their mindset. I'll never risk like their relationship with food for their goal. Like yes, your goal might be fat loss. We'll get there whether it be six weeks, 10 weeks, two years, whatever, we'll get there. But I'm never going to push, I'm never going to jeopardize your relationship with A, yourself, B, your mindset, and C, like relationship with food. I'm never going to do that. So I always have to make that really, really clear. So that's when when they ask questions like this, when it comes to calorie banking, I'd be like, hey, remember we talked about that thing? Well, this is why. And then I go into it. Um, so basically, yeah, calorie banking, it's just not something that I'd be into. It is just a glorified binge and restrict. You're just dressing it up in fancy words so that it sounds kind of acceptable. Um and it's just not something that I would I would ever advise. If you are, if you're in a moderate calorie deficit, like a, like a small one, you won't, you don't need to do that. And you need to be able to enjoy your occasions. You need to be okay as well with going over your calories. You need to be okay with accepting that and knowing that you will many many times go over your calories and you need to get comfortable with that. But what you need to do is accept that you've gone over them and just move on. Like if you've gone over your calories and you go and pull back the next day, that's also been restricted. And technically, it's kind of calorie banking if you want to address it as that. You know. So if you are doing these things, I would maybe advise you not to do them. Um, They are only going to solidify your poor relationship with food. And if you start to do that in the first place, chances are you might already have this kind of system already in place. You just don't really know that you're doing it. Yeah, subconsciously you do. And I think it is important to say, like, it depends on the client. But I think Mm. 99% of the people that I work with on a daily basis 
Yeah. Don't carry bank. Most of them don't even carry account. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's like it's a, it's a tool, but like you don't give a child a hammer and yeah. expect it not to be a fucking disaster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't do that, kids. <laughs> don't give the child the hammer. Like that's the big thing. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti my fitness pal have used it like I only ever used it for like three months ever mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy it I found it a little bit monotonous I just did it for mm-hmm. a shoot or whatever but yeah. if, if it's if it's in the right hands it's an amazing tool but if someone's yeah. kind of going into it and saying right I need to lose two pounds of weight loss a week mm-hmm. and you're still emotionally and you're, you're cutting a chocolate you're cutting out carbs when they're yeah. soul foods as yeah. the onboard kind of call them like you're not going to survive like you have to think yeah. long term you mentioned about kind of like I think you put up a post a little while ago regarding kind of holidays and the things opening back up. And I know you're heading off on your holidays uh, soon in relation to going on holidays and I think I'm going to go and lose all my progress, which mm-hmm. is a sentence I think we've all heard as coaches. Um, yeah. I think we all, we've probably even felt it ourselves, yeah. whether we believed it or not or whatever it is, but just the voice speaking up. How do you kind of work that with clients? Obviously dependent on the client. So again, depending on the client, I'll ask them openly like, okay, what do you want to do for your holiday? Are you, you know, do you want to just enjoy it? Do you want to not think about it at all? How long are you going for as well comes into it? All of these things come into it. And it's like, what do you want to do? So I'll always ask them first. And they like nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, oh, well, I want to track. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe we just shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, why do you feel like you want to track? And they'll be like, well, I just don't want to lose the progress or I want, I just don't want to be eating bad. And like, you know, they use these words. Um, So when I hear that, I know that we've obviously got deeper work to do and we need to like really hone in on that. But yeah, I usually advise them not to track and to like, you know, use this as a week where you actually just trust yourself, you know, and you know that you can make the right decisions. And you know that if you are listening to how you're feeling and you're actually present in the moment, you're not going to overdo it. Like if you are making wise decisions and you're thinking that, okay, Maybe I won't have everything at the breakfast buffet. Maybe I won't have everything at lunch. And maybe I won't have everything at dinner and all dessert. You know, if you just be like, okay, wait, what am I really looking forward to today? I'm really looking forward to my ice cream and my dinner. Okay, so maybe just share your portion of chips at lunchtime, you know, instead of having a whole portion of chips with your thing. You could do that. You could load up on fruit in the morning and you could have some protein sources there as well. Try and just choose your food wisely. Um, or you could go the complete opposite opposite way and just be like fuck it I don't care what I'm doing this holiday I haven't been on holiday in two years you know go do whatever the fuck you want so it just depends on the person and their circumstance and how they feel they're going to handle it most times they think that they're not going to handle it well but generally speaking they they handle it I had a girl that actually went away was it two weeks ago and she did her check-in today and like she's just bounced back so fast and she's like oh my god I really looking back I really enjoyed my holidays I didn't hold back I still had the things that I wanted but I never ate to the point of feeling sick I never ate for the sake of eating you know I was paying attention and I was enjoying myself and I just kept drinking my water you know and I was still pretty active you know so those are things that often just don't just get overlooked and they only zone in on the one thing like i.e their calories whereas you know there's lots of other things that go into it so a lot of people forget how active they are on holidays. Like you're mm. walking around, you're going swimming, you're going to the beach or whatever, you're chasing your kids or whatever. Maybe yeah. you forget how active you normally are. It's probably yeah. more active than you are here anyway, um, yeah. or at home. Um, how do you kind of come up? How do you kind of deal with the question or the, the statement of like, oh, um, I've come back now and I haven't put up so much weight or I'm still the same weight or I've lost weight from my holidays. This is all good. I'm going to keep doing this because that's one thing that kind of comes up, can come up is like, 
if, if they come back from the holidays, oh, I've only gone up two pounds, so it wasn't too bad. So I'm just going to keep doing this and kind of like having my six meals a day or my seven meals a day, which is nothing wrong with if, yeah. you're, if that's your goal. But you know what I mean? I suppose we just reflect on like the choices that they made when they were on holidays. And if I get a bit of feedback about what like they were choosing and stuff and telling them that, okay, well, we can still improve that by adding in more fruit there or more veg there, or maybe a higher protein source. We don't have to keep going in the, at the high, like to the high thing that you were doing before, because you have to remember that you're not as active as you probably were on holidays as well. Um, so again, it's so difficult to answer. I feel like I'm saying the same thing. Like <laughs> it's so difficult to answer those questions unless there's a client there who actually has shown what's happened or how they've handled it. You know, it's going to be different for every single client, I think. Yeah, no, I, like it is, it is very different. I think the important thing is that like the one thing that you can't control, they're kind of like normally kind of trying to outsource the level of control from a scales to tell them it's okay oh, to Oh, sorry, is that what you were getting at the scales? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I misunderstood. Okay. It's all good. <laughs> I actually don't get my clients to weigh themselves. Um, so sometimes they sneakily step on the scales. How do you cope with that as a, as a coach? Do I cope with that? How do you cope with that? Oh, with them stepping on the scales? And they're, and they're not meant to or they're not they're not supposed to um i don't give out to them like you can't give out to them you know, like, it's right. their own choice it's like they're an adult like they can choose to stand it but i just kind of tell them the benefits of not stepping on the scales and i highlight all their other wins rather than the scales rather than just focusing on that one one assessment of you know of progress that isn't really going to be the be all end all like you could be the same weight and look completely different in your pictures your clothes could never fit anymore but yeah you might be the exact same weight you know so I just try to highlight all the reasons why the scales could change. And if they do mention that they've, they've weighed themselves, I'll be like, okay, remember we talked about that scales thing? <laughs> why is it still in your house? <laughs> and let's remove it. But again, there is some clients who actually aren't phased by the scales at all. And it doesn't impact them whatsoever. So again, like I said, it's so dependent on the client. And if they are comfortable doing it, it doesn't impact them negatively. If it shows something they don't want to see, if it doesn't impact them, then there's no reason why they should get rid of it. It is just another tool i suppose for us to see um but if i do see that there's any kind of like someone's really happy because the scales is down you know i'm like hmm, okay if you're really that happy it means that you probably have a lot of like attachment to that scales and um, so that's when i'll you know remove it and stuff so the self-worth settlement comes yeah, back into exactly. it yeah um you mentioned there about kind of like the the wins and stuff like that that the kind of the wins stock up and we like we use kind of non-scale victories and stuff like that for those who don't win what are the kind of some of the wins that someone can bring in if they don't want to step keep stepping on the scales because it, as you said probably the best option is with the scales is to fuck it out the window and drive it over yeah. with your car or get yeah. your kid with the hammer that you had yeah. earlier yeah. smash yeah. it it is nine times out of ten that's the sensor is just to get rid of it yeah. But what kind of wins do you kind of concentrate on with your clients that are kind of like non-scale victories? So things like morning routines, um, getting up earlier than you were meant to, maybe concentrating on fiber that week, uh, maybe hitting your water goal, maybe making your bed every day. It could be taking 10 minutes to read, like the time that you took for yourself when you're alone. Like these are all massive like wins. Um, it could be even if you want to like talk physically, it could be like your jeans are feeling looser, your tops are feeling looser. You were able to train harder than you have been before. You were stronger than you were before the week, uh, or the week previous. Um, you went for longer on your runs or whatever it is that you were doing. You went to a class that you've never gone to before that you were really scared about going. These are all huge wins that just get so overlooked. And 
once you start concentrating on your wins, you actually just build your own self-confidence. And when you build your self-confidence, it obviously just makes you more confident and therefore you can do what you're setting yourself to do. You can do that with much more ease. And then once you reach those, then it makes you even more confident and it just keeps going. And in relation to kind of when someone is a little bit anxious about kind of like removing the scales and kind of losing that element of control, obviously it's client dependent but what's kind of like the, the first thing that you would kind of say to any of them really uh, in relation to kind of like letting that kind of element of control go so i first like to figure out why they have so much emphasis on it and generally it can come from um like their family environment from what they've picked up when they were younger yeah. um a lot of these things do because you have to remember as well that like when we were growing up our parents didn't exactly have amazing relationships with food either because they were in the, like they were listening to the media and they were listening to magazines and like they didn't have as much education as we have now um so the things that they would have known then are obviously very different to what is actually real now so that you obviously are going to pick up those things when you're younger and you're going to pick up how your mother sees herself you know because if your mother's looking in the, in the mirror and she's like oh jesus my legs look massive today that's going to be in your head like that's going to be in your head and you've picked that up without even realizing that you're picking that up so I like to like delve into things like that and figure out firstly where it came from and then I kind of just logically like talk it out with them um if they are really really uncomfortable with removing the scales I mean let's keep it for a week let's see how it goes and then we can try and use it less and then use it less and then use it less that's kind of like how I'll take it but generally I like to just get rid of it usually they do just kind of get rid of it there is the odd sneaky one or two you know who you are there's always always one rogue yeah um that do step on it um but they do it from a form of kind of self-punishment more than everything more than anything it is yeah and it's it's not it's not easy to watch sometimes they can like you've controlled everything else as in Mm -hmm. relation to you've got your walks in you've done all you could this week and then you're outsourcing your control to a piece of plastic that yeah. has no emotion has no actual feelings mm. but you're, telling, you're letting that tell you how to feel yeah and then once you kind of explain it to them that way you're kind of like you can also bring in what you said is like what you're saying in front of yourself or around your kids they're going mm. to pick up on it mm. bring in the element of would you let your kids do what you're doing right now yeah and then the penny drops it's kind of mm. like no i need to stop doing this right now because my daughter who is potentially like i don't know 12 13 14 15 and there's enough body image stuff going around the world at the minute that she doesn't need her own mother in her own house yeah to have that side of things um i think as well it does come down to like external and external external and internal validation so like using the scales is a form of external validation like there's even one girl um that i had before and she had had like a really bad weekend and when i say bad i mean she was like upset for the whole weekend emotionally yeah yeah. And she then felt like she had no control over food or something like that. Right. And I'm just kind of like vaguing, making this very vague. Um, and she felt shit in herself on the Monday. Right. She felt absolutely shit. She knew she had probably overeaten. She knew that she probably didn't prioritize herself. She knew that she had done all these things. All right. Already. But yet she still wanted to step on that scales to prove to herself just how badly she did. You know, and it's like, yeah, I knew I would be up and I was. And it's like, but why did you need that? Why did you need that? that validation from that thing to tell you that you did bad, like, even though you didn't do bad, but like, you know, this is the way yeah. that she's thinking. Like, why do you need that? Why do you need someone to confirm that? Like when in reality you went through something that was really emotional and it's fucking hard to get through things that are really emotional. Like people underestimate how difficult it is to just kind of survive sometimes when they've got stuff going on in their lives. Like they don't realize just how much they're gaslighting themselves 
by saying, oh, I shouldn't have handled it that way. Like I should have gotten over it. It's like, you can't say that to yourself. Like you, like that's traumatic. Like no matter what it is, there's something that has happened that has made you upset. You know what I mean? And people just like to brush over it and just be like, oh, well, I need to get over it. It's been like a week now. I need to get over it. It's like, no, you don't. You need to actually dig deeper and figure out what's going on. You know? Yeah. And that's and that's where the uncomfortableness kind of kicks in because as you said, I think it's from potentially from a generational thing as well. I know potentially the older generation um mm. kind of like they're they're not very in tune with kind of like their emotion side of things and then mm-hmm. potentially look at this generation of like too in tune that mm-hmm. like people are talking about their health their mental health a lot more but i don't think there's a wrong or right right approach it's whatever suits the person but if your mm-hmm. approach right now isn't serving you there's the feedback so if mm-hmm. you're struggling to open up you're going to need to open up at some point because the volcano will erupt yeah, yeah. um you mentioned <laughs> You've a, you've a mess you've a mess to clean up and it's not fun yeah. um but you mentioned kind of like the internal external validation and this is the last thing i'm going to talk about in relation to that most people are looking for external validation from mm-hmm. everyone else but yeah. the problem is why are you looking for that rather than giving it to yourself because the only person you should be getting validation off is you but yeah. the problem is this voice in your head which are we get our clients to name the voice yeah and call it whatever it could be a bully at school or whatever it be because that's all that voice is it's kind of like yeah. it's there to protect you mm-hmm. but we get the client to kind of like we got the some of the clients in general um to kind of name the voice to kind of like disassociate themselves from it mm-hmm. how how when someone's coming from an internal validation or struggling with the internal validation so like would you let would you let your child speak to you themselves that way because yeah. they've because the kids picked up from you yeah exactly yeah um how would you kind of work around that with clients and stuff like that how to improve that kind of like that self-talk because i know that's something that i think you and i have both struggled with in, in previous mm. times um something i kind of get people to start with again depends on the client but i'll get them to get a little notebook like a tiny little notebook that they have that's completely separate to their phone because a lot of people just go to their phone and they write down their stuff that they need to write down on their phone but like your phone is responsible for so many things you need to see something and it be a trigger whereas if you see your phone you're not going to see that that's a trigger and um, whereas if you see your little black notebook you're going to know that that's your little black notebook that you use for xyz and um, so what i get them to do is get that little notebook and anytime they hear themselves say something that might be might be something really small like i might have dropped an egg on the floor and it smashed everyone like oh my god what a fucking idiot that's negative self-talk right so even though it's really small so i'll write that down and i'll be like you're a fucking idiot (laughs) and then i'll move on to the next thing so i'll go on about my day and then there might be something else where i'm like oh my god my skin looks fucking shit today oh bingo that's a little red flag write that down and by the end of the day you're going to be surprised how much you've actually filled up that book you're gonna be like holy shit and then you ask yourself all of those things you've written down, would you actually say that to your best friend or someone that you care about? Like, would you, would you tell them that their skin looks fucking shit? Would you tell them all well, of these If you things? do, I hope you don't. <laughs> there is just so many things that you would never, ever, ever utter out of your mouth to somebody else. So why do you feel like you deserve that talk? And again, it's just about creating the awareness. So that's what the writing down is doing. It's creating the awareness of how often you do say it. Because again, when you've grown up around things like that, like from your environment as a child, you are you are exposed to it. So therefore you probably are more likely to talk like that to yourself. If you notice that other people beat themselves up as well, you know? Um, so then from there you work on your self-confidence and building that and how we can make you feel more confident as a person. Yeah. And the important thing is like that, that takes a hell of a lot of time. Oh, like as in relation to like, 
it's the compound effect over time that's what you do on average yeah. like if you've been speaking to yourself negatively for like i don't know 20 30 40 50 years mm-hmm. one week of that doing that journaling thing is is may give you some insights it'll give you a lot of the insights of yeah. what you say and you'll notice a trend exactly yeah. yeah so you'll notice a trend of what certain mood you're in mm-hmm. you'll, you'll know certain trends of like if your partner or whatever maybe has said something to you is that mm-hmm. the trigger recognize the trigger and then recognize what you're doing after you recognize those words on that trigger yeah interrupt the behavior exactly yeah and, and like it, that you will hear yourself like when you stop writing the things down eventually you'll get to the point where you actually hear yourself about to say it and then you'll actually stop yourself before it comes yeah. out and be like wait a second i wouldn't say that to my friend okay move on you know and that's what you do eventually yeah. it gets to that point but it takes a long time to get there like it does it takes like a lot of work and i think that's something that people underestimate about like our jobs is that yes there's an aspect of training and nutrition but there, like the huge aspect is everything else <laughs> so it's everything else that you don't see or that you don't think is an issue those are the things that you need to work on and people think that they're going to sign up for six eight ten twelve weeks and they're going to be fixed like no you're not broken first of all to be honest to begin with but you know there is a lot of things that need to be worked on yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I, I think that I think that's I think that's a a very good statement to make in that like 12 week 12 weeks isn't going to resolve everything that potentially is going on um mm-hmm. like the big thing he said is you're not broken it's like everyone has shit yeah. going on everyone has shit that they don't potentially like about themselves everyone yeah. has but i think the important thing is like no six week eight week 12 week whatever maybe mm-hmm. thing is going to get rid of anything it may improve certain routines or whatever but how often have you done this before and gone back into your old routine so quickly when things haven't gone right you've got through the the shit times beforehand you're going to get through them again it's just changing the coping mechanism which if it's food alcohol or drugs you have to look at it and say right is this actually helping me long term if it's not you have to change the behavior pattern yeah 100 percent, totally agree um, it's a long time to change that behavior pattern yeah um it really does it really really does where can people find out about the podcast um and yourself on the gram and the book so at sasc underscore pt um and my website is www.sazcpt.ie um so you can get everything there and there's links to obviously spotify it's sit down with saz um but all of those links are in my instagram bio if you just click on that you'll get a link for whatever it is you're looking for awesome i'll put those in the show notes guys if you want to get the 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 book um and listen to like i think sarah's had some pretty cool guests on the the podcast and stuff so um i definitely give that a listen i think it's a it's awesome to see how how much you're you're growing how much work you're putting into yourself one and putting into the clients as well so thank you so much for coming on sarah thank you for having me